all the symptoms that you could have, like from an anxiety attack, I've had them. Back then, yeah, it was just trembling, right? Like yeah. you're just in panic mode. I explained it to my girlfriend was that like, if a semi truck is head on and you're like, you know, a deer in the head, like, like you get that initial, like your heart just sank out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And it was weird. Cause I was like, there was no rhyme or reason. Like I was literally sitting there mucking concrete and all of a sudden like something just hit me. Like they're nightmares. So it's like nightmare. Like I'm usually getting like chased by somebody or something's happening, mm -hmm. but like, and, and you wake up going like, yeah, like, oh, and I, like, I literally feel hangover, hung over for like five minutes. And then like, it all goes away. Once I tell myself like, look, you weren't drinking like All right, guys, welcome to the Failure Podcast. I am your host, Austin. We are here for another episode of Failing. <laughs> I still haven't figured out what to call the audience yet. If I call you guys failures or I call you guys failees, like, what do you want to be called? Let me know in the comments. I'm just curious. What should we call you? Uh, secondly, what is this podcast? If you're just watching it for the first time, um, I am a small business owner. I have been. I've owned a few companies in my lifetime, and uh, it sucks, and it's crazy, and it's uh, it's also rewarding at the same time. So my goal here with this show is to help bring light to the scenarios that people don't see on the outside a lot of the times, share some cool stories, talk some shit, do whatever. Um, just know that that's what you're getting into if you watch this. It's, it's all over the place. But there's also great things and good value that come to it. So forewarning. Justin Haberlock. We, uh, I'm stoked to have you here, man. You have a, a pretty gnarly past, uh, track record of accomplishments. Uh, you, you're, you're, how old are you, dude? 24. Okay. So you're 24. How many companies have you owned? Four. Okay. Uh, for those of you that think that you can't do it because you're not old enough or you're not established or whatever, no fucking excuses. <laughs> okay. Tired of hearing it. Um, that's amazing, dude. What was uh one? Thank you for being here. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate it. And uh, I know that you also have a kid on the way. You have one kid, and mm -hmm. you're running your own business that you got going on right now. So I pre I do appreciate you taking the time out of the day to sit here and chat with me. Sure. Um. So tell me about yourself, dude. What uh one? Where did this whole entrepreneurship journey with you even start? Like, uh, how old were you? Um, I started my first company when I was. 18 years old. How it started was, well, I was racing motocross at the time. Well, pretty much through my whole teenage years. And then, uh, I had a shoe sponsor that was called, uh, Carson footwear and they're out of Oregon. And, uh, he made me some gear that was Carson footwear, but, it, uh, his brand was strictly made in the USA. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's what sparked the idea of him making me that Jersey, right. Was to be able, I was like, well, Maybe I could make, you know, gear here in the USA through him, right? And okay. We like, kind of make a gear company. I thought that would be really cool. Mm -hmm. but, um, so after all that happened with, uh, well, after he's, he was only able to do the jerseys pretty much. He couldn't do the gloves or the, the pants here in right. the States. The, it was very costly. Um, so I ended up finding a way to, to source the gear that I wanted, um, overseas and, um, source the gear overseas, mm -hmm. meaning like, what do you, where, so when you think of what China, 
Yeah, China. Okay. Yep. And so what brought this idea to do that? Like, where did that... Because that's... Not a lot of people would be like, hey, I'm going to... I'm 18 years old. I have... I ride motocross and I just want to start my own clothing company. Would right. like, are, do you come from a, a background um, of entrepreneurs? Like, no, not at all. Not, I don't even know any business owners in my family. Um, I don't know. It's just always a goal of mine. Yeah. It was just always a goal of mine, I guess. I don't, I don't really know why I did it. I just did it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> You're like, instead of going to work for Mac D's, I'm going right. to try and do this, which I ended up going to work, you know, as well yeah. after I started the company because um, of course, right when I started the company, I ended up getting hurt. So you got hurt. Yeah, I like uh, broke my hip. Um, well, I was probably a year into the company, and I didn't have health insurance, so I had to borrow some money to get out of the hole. And mm. that's what from riding motocross, I would assume. Yeah. So you okay? A few things about you uh, that people don't know: you're a massive motocross fan. You've been in the motocross industry for some time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would say that's probably the, your, your passion of choice. Um, but also you, you, you have run multiple businesses at a young age you've created and you've bought and sold mm-hmm. a few at this point, I think, right. You had your, I, I've uh, sold one, you sold one. Okay. Which mm-hmm. was legacy, right? Yep. The racewear. Yep. Legacy racewear. So you, you met this guy when you were 18, uh, he was sponsoring you. He was giving you clothes and mm-hmm. you just one day decided you're like, yo, I'm going to try and outsource this stuff from China and make my own Right. brand basically right. and sell it yeah what happened with it why was it uh was was it successful like where did it go i mean it it, it was good um when it first started up you know well it was really good actually because i was able to never i never lost money okay right? so i made money from the start but it kind of climaxed you know pretty soon because really in that industry you know it came down there was a point to where you know, I got my local community that could make me X amount of dollars, right? And there was, over the course of a year, I do about four drops a year from the start till, I think I did it for four years before I sold it. Um, it never really got much past the local, you know, uh, around right. here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I got a couple guys in it with that were professional in Supercross and like, um, but it just didn't really, like, I could have blew it up, but it was like thousands of dollars that I had to put into it. Right. Yeah. And then like, once we started talking about kids and like we had our own place, it was like, you know, there's thousands and thousands of dollars that are leaving. And like, then especially like around the COVID time when that hit, you know, sourcing wasn't, you know, that it, everything just got kind of scary for me. You know, mm-hmm. there's like thousands of dollars going out and then, you know, it takes a while for your return. Yeah. And then, you know, you're holding your breath till you get your return. And then, then it's actually time to make money. By that time, I was, a lot of the times I was way too nice, right? And mm-hmm. I'll give out thousands of dollars worth of product because I did not know how to say no. Sure. Well, by the time it was, you know, I was kind of ready to change my ways and like actually make money. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody was used to me giving them, you know, an free allotment shit. of gear and <clears throat> free stuff, you know, to where I couldn't... Um, I couldn't really build money-wise, you know, mm-hmm. m- much more than I was making. Yeah. Um, and the sale part of it, like, I wasn't like, oh, I'm done. Mm-hmm. You know, like, let's sell it. It was just, like, I would kind of throw it around there. I started another company as I was still working doing concrete in the union. I started a canopy company, and that was another thing. Like, 
my business partner that I have now in the canopy company, he's a professional supercross racer mm-hmm. and he needed a canopy for the, um, for supercross. Right. And I was like, well, like there's, there was one part of fabric on the back of my pants that looked similar to everybody else's canopy. So I was like, well, we can source these things through the same place. You mm-hmm. know? And then I realized, you know, the profit margins and how much more money that you could make doing these canopies. So you went down that realm. So my brain <clears throat> went there, right? And then I'm seeing like a lot of money going out here, not a bunch of overhead and a lot more money over here. Mm-hmm. So it was just kind of like, you know, I wasn't putting much money into it. It was just kind of, you know, going through the ropes, wasn't losing money, wasn't making me rich by any means. Right. And uh, yeah, the opportunity to sell it from a really good family friend, his parents bought it. And uh, I don't really remember if they brought it up to me or I know it happened pretty dang quick. So um, yeah. So. so you sold it and you're, are you still a part of it? Yeah. Like I still run the gear, you know, I'm not a part of it. Um, like in the business standpoint, like I really don't have any say on any of like, uh, any of the design work or what sure. the chassis is doing or nothing like that. Yep. I just kind of run, represent the product, you know, and I still, you know, I like to have the guys that were loyal to the company to go with the, co- you know, mm-hmm. I kind of help guide that ship, but now they're doing their own thing, you know, so sure. they kind of, you know, don't have to it. like rely on you for anything no. at this point. You're no, just kind of, they never really did. You know, I had a lot of, uh, um, a lot of bad habits, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, with the company that I pretty much upfront told them what I was doing wrong and like, mm-hmm. don't do these things wrong. Right. Yeah. And, and you'll make it. Sure. And that's kind of how, how has it been for them since you sold it? You know, it's doing good. Yeah. I mean, I know that they're, uh, I'm not really necessarily on, I don't really know what their sales are like, but mm-hmm. like from what I can see, you know, it's doing fairly good and you know, they're still, the company's still there and it's still running. So yeah. Are they able to, were they, was there, what was the goal for them when you, you sold the company? Was it just to kind of hopefully expand it into other States, larger, like yeah, a larger footprint yeah, more they, or less? Uh, it was, they were gonna, you know, they had a lot more access to money. Sure. So they were going to put some funds into it to, you know, build the company. Was so it? you, you said that happened really quick for you. Mm-hmm. And to me, uh, I couldn't imagine how like selling my company would be an easy process or a quick process for me in general. But was that hard for you to sell that? Yeah. Thing that yeah. You... I think I might've shed a tear when the, it actually left. Right. Cause yeah. like I was over it, but at the same time, like I, you know, I put a lot of, I put a ton of time, you know, it wasn't really the money. It was just the time. And it's the, this thing you built. Right. Nothing. And like, yeah. I, I got it in a video game. Like I had a couple, like I, really like i don't know that was like the first sense of like something that i really like loved i didn't know it until it was gone you know Mm -hmm. and i you know i still miss it some days but i'm you know there's always something else i could do yep there is man there will uh one door closes another one opens for sure which clearly it did for you um i mean legacy i think was a big part of your learning growth what would you say that you learned most throughout that process about business? Like what is something that you took from that, that you say with your next company, you're like, I'm not going to do this. Right. Um, if I, anything, I mean, I would say the number one thing that I learned, obviously with the, the gear company, I learned, you know, everything from 
everything business from taxes, bookkeeping to accounting, you know, Mm -hmm. like I learned what, how to run a business, you know, I'll be honest. It wasn't fully legal all the time, (laughs) but I tried, you know, I don't know that any business owner could look at you in the eyes and say that they have done everything Uh, legally by the book. And if you can, you're fucking lying. I don't want to hear it. Yeah. But, uh, (laughs) no, I, I learned pretty much the biggest thing was in each company I've learned something from, but the legacy one for sure was, you know, the amount of product, you know, the nice guy, yeah. you know, that's, that for sure hurt me very badly in that one. So what would your, what would, what would you do differently? Because I think that in, in that industry, we're just going to talk it, uh, clothing or branding and mm-hmm. stuff like that. When you're trying to spread a brand, a message, mm-hmm. you want people to wear your shit. Like you got to get it out there. Mm-hmm. So what would you what would you do differently? Maybe just would you have a larger budget, or would you just give less shit away? I would transition that the the budget into marketing for sure, okay. and running campaigns and stuff. That always seems to do very very good for yeah. that type of company. You know, um, my marketing was just pretty much I did everything myself. If I if I were to do it all over again. Yeah, I would I would transition the button. You know, I wouldn't take like I would still have a lot of guys, but not 175 of them. Is that know? how many you had? Yeah, at the time, that's the <laughs> list that I had when the people or the folks yeah, bought the of, company of sponsored writers, yeah. basically. And um, you know, they I think I dwindled it down to like 40 guys at the end that I really wanted them to keep. Mm-hmm. I remember right. I gave them a list of names like, hey, these are the guys that, you know, actually did their job in sure. return for what I did for them. Yeah. You know, and then I let them kind of do their thing, whether they wanted to keep them or not. I'm sure that was an awkward conversation with a few guys. Yeah. Yeah. But luckily, everybody, you know, I made it very clear that I was um, that I was <clears throat> there was going to be new owners and we're all up, we're pretty close. Everybody knew of the Davis family that bought it, mm-hmm. you know, and they're. They're taking care of the guys too. That's so, cool, dude. That's um, cool. That's yeah. got to be at least somewhat reassuring to the people that you did sell it to. You know, are kind of trying to do by, do right by you. Right. Oh you yeah. Know? Yeah. No, they they for sure they you know they it's not a not that they do what I say, but you know they have enough respect for me. Right. That right. They, you know. Um. So what was next for you, man? You obviously you had the can did the canopy company go with that? No. So okay. at first it was ran through legacy racewear mm-hmm. so legacy custom canopies was ran through the gear company right um and then um devin which is my business partner of legacy custom canopies mm-hmm. i was sole owner of the gear company um it started to to pop a little bit and he was the designer for it right because he he can run ai pretty good mm-hmm. and uh so he was the designer for the canopy company and um I was still running it through the gear company at the time. And he's like, yo, we need to talk. Like, um, you know, it's kind of like I'm paying him for design. And like these customers are buying like multiple canopies with mm-hmm. his design, you know, and he's getting pennies on the dollar. Right. So um, I was kind of realistically, I was just being not a middleman, but I was being just more on the business side of it. Right. And yeah, he was kind of taking on some roles that would be like an owner. So he's, you know, he bought into it long story short and we started our own partnership. Like, mm-hmm. a, you know, so we started the company together at what, that point. So I got to ask, I have never dealt with any sort of partnership, uh, in any of my adventures, nor do no. I really want to. Um, 
what that what was that conversation like were you just realistically negotiating with like a percentage and then a dollar amount that you felt it was worth like how does that how does that something like that work right um yeah so that that's pretty much i mean both times i've came up with the numbers based off of what i thought it was worth mm-hmm. you know um on that instance with the partnership anyway it was it was nothing. It was pennies on the dollar just because I kind of needed the help, mm-hmm. right? And he's racing Supercross. He can help me push it, right? It's so more you saw like, more value in the person yeah, also, yeah, too. Yeah, there was more value in the situation. It wasn't mm-hmm. that I was looking for the money. Yeah. It was that, like, let's build this together. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I wanted to try it. I've never really had a partnership, and it, it works great, you know? But I've had partnerships to where I've had people dip into the company a little bit to where it didn't work out that good. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you run a concrete company right now. Mm-hmm. Last April was my first time to where I was like fully self-employed. No, um, I would have been self-employed a long time ago, but I don't truly think that my family really, be- not that they didn't believe in me, but they just really wanted that, um, that you know, the guaranteed money, the I guess. security. Yeah, the security of me having a normal job. Mm-hmm. Um, so finally, when the union got uh we went on like um by family you mean your wife yep okay and then uh had like a two-week break and it was like uh yeah i don't think i just never went back never texted my boss never called he texted me like two weeks later hey can you work mm-hmm. tuesday and i i was done how has that been that transition it was great. It, it was great. Like, his, I went off, like, with two months' worth of work already on the books. Like, it was rolling. You know, I was making way more money than I ever was working in the union. And then, mm-hmm. you know, now sitting here today, I know what they're talking about when, you know, the winter dries up. But uh, so, Yeah, you're trying to look for work. <clears throat> yeah, at this point, it's, you know. Luckily, it's like there's some smaller jobs going on, but concrete's tough in the winter, man. There's no real way to do it. Like, there's... I mean, for one, you don't really want to. And for two, the homeowners, you know, the, the projects aren't really going on in midwinter. People don't really do home projects. Anymore. So what's your plan? Work. I mean, you, I got to find it. I just got to fight for it, you know? Yeah. You seem like the type of guy who probably enjoys work a lot. Like you enjoy doing work. And I'm very similar in that mm-hmm. sense. Um, if I'm not imposing anything, but that's, that's how... I like to work. Like right. I find joy in it, mm-hmm. you know, rewarding. And so it's hard for me not like some people kind of look at me like I'm crazy a little bit. They're like, why the fuck are you always working? I'm like, why? Well, I, I just love it. Like I love, I chose this path and I try and like, sometimes it sucks, but like I enjoy that constant drive, right. you know? So how do you find that balance, man? <clears throat> like you, when it's on, it's on. I don't, I mean, I really don't, it's like this summer, you know, we had a lot of long nights and like, you know, it sucks Mm because, you know, but I'm pretty lucky, you know, Renee doesn't, she's not a, she doesn't really say much about it, you know, as long as that, you know, I'm paying the bills, paying the bills, you know, she'll kind of let me run wild. But, you know, I, I told her from the start that, that this is, you know. I made sure I was okay with her, you mm-hmm. know, and there's going to be tough times and there's going to be times where I'm crazy busy and like, you know, there's times I got to leave town and there's times I got to do this and that, but, um, you know, she's fully down for it. So 
I feel like uh, any any entrepreneur will also tell you you're never, even though your your wife or your spouse or whatever might not be in it with you, they're in it just as right. much. And uh, it definitely takes like two to tango with that, you know. For sure. Because um, you you I don't know you just can't. You, they they may not be there doing the books, but that second half of your life, bro, is uh, it's just as hard. Right. Just as difficult. Um. So you got you you've been battling some other shit too, bro. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were in the same boat. We're similar. We both quit drinking. We're both drinking Waterloo's. Shout out Backwoods. Sorry, we still love you, Backwoods. You're still amazing. And uh, I hope everybody drinks your beer. Uh, and they will drink it. This hazy IPA that I had up here last. I probably should change those out. Actually, you got the remix IPAs over there too. Um. Anyway, you had to quit drinking, bro. Let's mm-hmm. talk about that. Let's talk about why. Why'd you stop? I mean, I pretty much stopped because not, I mean, I kind of had, I kind of had to, the doctors were, you know, people were worried enough to where it finally caught my eye. Like, like it wasn't like just, uh, it was like uh, blackout episodes and like, it was literally making me go crazy to the point to where I was having like, you know. It, it was just not good. I was ending up in the hospital quite frequently from it, and it was like, it was just going downhill. And hey, you have you always drank like that? No. So why? <clears throat> Do you want me to tell the whole story? Yeah, tell. Okay. I I mean I got all day. It's mm-hmm. your time. So when I was ten years old, um. Like one day I was sitting in the PE gym and like I felt like the ground, like, you know, starting to move like waves, right? And uh started happening worse every time I would go in the gym. Like I would feel really dizzy and like I would get lightheaded, like, whoa. And then eventually I started running out. You know, I would just run out. When it happened? Yeah, when it would happen. Cause well, it was ha- weird. And uh then one day, like I was in music class or something like that, and I got up and like I literally felt like I couldn't walk and I fell over. And so I ran out of the music, the, just a portable, you know, and I, um, and I was, I told my parents and my mom and stuff like that, that, um, long story short, I went to the counselors and they said that I have agoraphobia, um, agoraphobia, agoraphobia. So pretty much like only 1% of the world gets it. And it's one of the phobias that can happen at a young age, right? Well, I got it at a pretty young age. Don't really know exactly why I got it. Anxiety, panic attacks, stuff like that really mm-hmm. runs in my family. But I'm the only one with agoraphobia. But long story short, I had that when I was like 10, right? And it got so bad that like it got to the point to where I couldn't drive in a car without the window down. So like it's claustrophobia and then there's big spaces too. So I can't be in wide open spaces. Still to this day, I won't go into like no moto center with a, a big ceiling or any long really? lines. Yeah. Like I completely have... It's like a panic attack, but way intensified nowadays. Oh, wow. Uh, So then when I started actually like I was eating really good growing up and like, well, not really good, but I was eating better than like the average person. Right. And I was like going to the gym and being in shape, trying to like race motocross and take it serious. I'd never partied Mm -hmm. like I really didn't. Um, It was a very rare occasion if they could get me to do anything, but they never really did. And I hung out with those kids. So everybody always thought I did, you know. Sure. Um, so by the time I got to like 
19 years old. I did enough counseling and stuff to where I could, you know, I could go into like a Rite Aid. I can go into any grocery store around, you know. Um, so I worked my way out of that. And then um, when I joined the union, all of a sudden, like symptoms started coming back, right? Like I started feeling like just this weird, dizzy, dizzy feeling, dizzy feeling like I was going to pass out like all the time. Like mm-hmm. I would hyperventilate and I would shake and then it would just go away. Then I'll be fine. And uh, right about the same time is when I started drinking, you know, I just not like full time, but just on like some weekends. Right. And then right. I got like, I found out what like the anxiety was right. Like to where the next day your anxiety is kind of intensified. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't think anything of it. You know, I drank like on the weekends for probably one year and my symptoms were starting to get worse. Like, you know, I was having panic attacks like, you know, probably once a week at that point. Um, what are those panic attack? What are these episodes like? like well, are they like so the they changed ball on the ground. They've or? changed like <clears throat> to where I, it's all physical symptoms, right? So it's like, can't breathe the shakes, sweatiness, uh, my mouth, my mouth used to take like in my gums, it would tingle very bad. And then my, like the, the, all the symptoms that you could have, like from an anxiety attack, I've had them, they've progressively got worse mm-hmm. to where we'll get there. But, um, back then, yeah, it was just trembling. Right. Like yeah. you're just in panic mode. Like how do I explain it to my girlfriend was that like if a semi truck is head on and you're like, you know, a deer in the head, like, like you get that initial like your heart just sank out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And it was weird because I was like there was no rhyme or reason. Like I was literally sitting there mucking concrete and all of a sudden like something just hit me like a, a adrenaline. Like it would hit me with adrenaline. I would start shaking, sweating and then all of a sudden get in my head like, whoa, I'm going down. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I need to take a break. Yeah. So a couple times, you know, I'd go take a break, drink some water, it'd be fine. You know, 20 minutes, it'd be done. Mm-hmm. Then a couple years went by and like my drinking kind of, you know, it got a little bit like the binge drinking got heavier, right? right. To where like if I had the Monday off uh, or I would start drinking on Sundays, right? Not just a Friday, Saturday deal. It would mm-hmm. be like Sundays and then, you know, go to work Monday. Mm-hmm. And then Monday started getting really hard for me. Like, you know, to where I was like, you know. I had to bring a pillow in the back seat just to get to work, you know, and I would curl up in a ball because I was having a panic attack. Mm. And this is like started in 2020. Okay. So I didn't really know the the reason of my panic attacks. You know, I was just having them, mm-hmm. you know, and then that, so they went heavily for like two years <clears> like that. So that puts me, no, one year. So let's say middle of 2021 is really when it all unfolded for me into where like alcoholism became a thing because I found out that if I drank, right, those panic attacks don't happen. What I didn't know is that was most likely what was causing them at the same time, right? Okay. So it intensified my phobia to where the end days of, like, my last week at work, like, I I couldn't even go outside. The The sky was messing with me. Like, I would have a full-blown panic attack just from leaving the house. Like, I couldn't leave the house. And I would literally chug a beer on the way to work like just to get to work and that happened for months and then my um luckily my buddy tristan came to work on my crew and he would drive me to work every single day you know and there's times like hey do i need to make you a jack and coke it's like five in the morning you know, mm-hmm. going to work on a monday and like sometimes i mean i'll be honest i had you know alcohol in my my cup just to get to work right, right. and try to function <clears throat> and get through it after the end of the day, right, I'll go as long as I can before I started feeling the symptoms of, you know, of panic. And then I would drink. 
And then uh, once I started my own company, you know, because that went on for a couple of years, like straight of like, I was just maintenance drinking. Like mm-hmm. I was just drinking only when I was having panic attacks. Right. And but it became every day. But I wasn't I wouldn't drink more than like four beers in a day. Right. It would just be like, oh, panic attacks coming. Just drink enough one. to like. Yeah. Get you. Yeah, I get it. So then when I started my own, I didn't have a set schedule. So the binge drinking became like really heavy, like to where I would be drinking like on a full time scale. Right. And I would wake up in the middle of the night, like Renee called the ambulance, the ambulance would come like I'm having a heart attack, like it's done, like, Mm -hmm. you know, and then all of a sudden, like I started getting crazy thoughts in my head. Like I was literally, I would have, um, I would see things. I would like, I was literally full blown, like all these crazy things were happening to me. Like, like I could, it, it was the weirdest thing. Like I was, it was more than panic at that point. It was like, I was going psychotic and I, I thought that I was like something seriously was wrong with my head. Like there was nothing I could do to where the Dude, drink that sounds terrifying. Yeah. So the drinking the the last few months, it wasn't doing much for me, right? Right. So like a couple of beers wouldn't do it. I would have to be nearly blacked out. And granted when To like bury the, the yeah, shit. Yeah. Or else that heart like I would wake up in the middle of the night and like my heart rate is just crazy high like i went to the doctors man i pulled into my parents house multiple times like mom take me to the doctor we went like the last time we went we went to ohsu to get different answers like what's going on with me right they never Mm -hmm. once told me that i was drinking way too much or i was an alcoholic right they drew my blood oh you're fine your heart's fine right i had one of those heart monitors forever Mm -hmm. um then finally the the last or washugal nationals i was up at the track and um you know i couldn't I couldn't really enjoy anything anymore as it was. Like, I didn't enjoy nothing. Like, nothing was enjoyable. I was just trying to maintain just to be able to go in public, right? Mm-hmm. If I left my house, I was in shambles. That's just how it was for, like, two years. And uh, so, finally, I rented, like, a trailer. and um, I got shit-faced on Monday. And uh, I didn't eat a single meal from Monday till I think I finally buried the hatchet on Friday. I didn't eat a single meal. I just drank. It was to the point that last weekend was like beer wasn't going to do enough. Had to be a hard alcohol, Mm -hmm. you know, and I had to be pretty well blacked out. And the last I remember, I went and got an IV, right? Because I knew like I was scared because the alcohol wasn't working, right? Like it wasn't working anymore. I didn't know what to do, right? I was having these panic attacks no matter how much I was drinking. Like, and I'm talking like a little panic attack. I'm talking like to where I can hold my composure, but I'm having these physical symptoms. My whole body would go numb, like my chest would tighten up, and mm-hmm. it would be like this tingling, like <clears throat> it, just the craziest thing. And like the doctor's like, oh, panic attacks only last for 20 minutes. That's a bullshit lie because I had panic attacks for you know hours on end, and I would live every single day in a panic attack. Mm-hmm. There was more times where I was in a panic attack than I wasn't you know, from my day-to-day stuff. And, um, so finally I got to like Friday boozing hard that week, you Mm -hmm. know, just to try to maintain, there's a lot of people there. I have a lot of anxiety already. And granted, I don't sleep either because I'm staying up all night throwing up. So Thursday, I, uh, like my buddies are trying to talk to me and like, they're looking at me and like, I'm, I still remember their eyes, but I, my brain it can't get nothing out. I can't even talk. And it's not because I'm drunk. I only had two beers, but I'm having like 
some serious things go down upstairs, like to where like all my functions, like I couldn't move my hand. My, my fingers were like crippling like this, like, and my lip was drooping. Like it was just the, uh, and that scared me even more. And like, I just remember like, you know, it, I would drink something and like, it would instantly come right out. I, I would like, if I had a drink, like it would come right out of my body. So I was like, some, something's weird. You know, granted I haven't eaten and I've been drinking hard, hard sure. alcohol all week. Uh, then on Friday, yeah, I was like having a bad panic attack, like to where I really thought that this was the one, right? And somebody's like, yo, take a pull off this bottle. It's like wild turkey or something crazy. Mm-hmm. And like, I didn't take a pull. Like, like I, I killed the bottle or didn't kill it. But like, I mean, I did some damage to it. Right. Sure. And that's the last I remember. And then the next was like waking up with, you know, piss pants and throw up all over me. And like mm. my girlfriend's right there. She hasn't seen me all week. I've been hiding. Mm-hmm. And like, I just remember waking up and seeing my daughter and, that that's when like it hit me like yo this is not gonna work like people were actually worried about me like you know i wish i don't wish but i wish that i would have went and got the help a lot a long time before but i didn't know that that was the problem right i thought that i was i thought that i was curing the problem with the alcohol i didn't know that it was intensifying all my my problems so um yeah that landed me well i did about a week i i was drinking heavy enough to where i had like real um, de- withdrawal symptoms mm-hmm. to where like, I mean, I'd wake up in the middle of the night and my hands would, and my legs would be above my head flailing. Like I was having restless legs, like pins and needles all down my whole body. Like I did not sleep for five days, like <clears throat> the worst insomnia, like sweating bullets, throwing up. My esophagus was completely swollen shut. I couldn't even get an ice cube down there or a grape for that matter. Mm-hmm. My stomach was, I mean, I was tore up from the floor up. And I knew that, you know, my body, like, finally the last time that they ambulanced me to the hospital after that night at Washougal, they're like, look, like, you're an alcoholic. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he's probably seen me a couple times now. And he's like, you're, he's like, how much did you have to drink? I didn't know. I told him two beers. And he's like, you're lying to me, man. <laughs> yeah, like, your, <laughs> your alcohol blood levels look like it's not even, like, you shouldn't even be talking right now. Right. And I was like, man, like, that's when it hit me, you know, it's like. I had to change and that alcohol was not the way for me. But so what, what was that thought, bro, when you, cause I know what you're talking about. I've had that. I'm sorry. Let me rephrase it. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I, I have not been in your shoes in that sense. But when I decided to stop and you're faced with like that, I don't know that moment, like what you, you said you, you, you woke up just obliterated, obviously piss it, everywhere. You saw your daughter, and yeah, I see my daughter, and yeah, like, they got me home, and I went into another, like, weird episode to where, like, I couldn't breathe. Like, uh, I guess I was, like, short for air, and they called the ambulance or something. Like, it was just a whole scene. Like, but, You don't even remember half of the shit, do you? No, I don't really remember much of the year, to be honest. Like, the last few years, like, it's been really hard for me to, like, me- remember much of what's going on, because it did, like legitimate damage to my brain like i was never operating like you know i was yeah. never really there i was like either i was in a panic attack or i was blacked out drunk so it was like that was my day-to-day thing you know and but that's it was like normal for people to see me like that because i knew how to play it off right mm-hmm. and still to this day people don't realize how much of it like that i was hiding stuff or you know only the ones very very close to me realized like how much of a problem it was for me mm-hmm. um 
But for me, like when I chose to get sober, like I knew that like the problem, the whole problem the whole time was, is that like, I didn't want to face like the withdrawal and cause I've, I've tried to quit before, mm-hmm. like a year before I quit for like almost two weeks. And that's actually when I made an amend to myself that I was going to drink every single day yeah. because I did everything that the doctors told me for like a week straight. Right. And I wanted to change. And, uh, I was already down on my luck and my buddy just got cancer and he had Mac, Mac had cancer and he had, um, What do you call it in his arm? Uh, IV thing or a yeah. chemo thing? Chemo. Yeah. He's on chemo. He comes up. We're watching Supercross, right? And I'm like mm-hmm. two weeks sober and I'm already like really struggling, man. And it's like, he's like, yo, you got a beer? And he has chemo in his arm, you know, and he's like just got off the deathbed. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, I'm serious. You got a beer? And like I gave him a beer and that, that not to put this on him, like that's what got me back into drinking because I definitely yeah. would have drunk. I wasn't committed to quitting back then. So, but that, that gave, moment for you, yeah, I was you like, were man, like, if, if he's down that bad and he's going to drink, like mm-hmm. I'm going to get back on the horse. He right? doesn't drink anymore either though, right? No, no, no. Yeah. No, we're still very close. You know, that <clears> brought <throat> us in even closer. I bet. Um, and he was, he was the one, you know, the one that the first, probably the only friend that truly like came to me and like, yo, like you got a problem, like, mm. you know, cause he's seen it. Right. But he didn't really know it. When our friendship first started, he didn't really know that it was a problem like that, right? Right. Those boys thought that they could drink, right? Like they had a problem. But really, I was blowing them out of the water, or a lot of them out of the water, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they might binge drink and do a couple during the day, but like I was, I just didn't stop. You know? So you ever going to drink again? No, no. I, I, no, it's not for me. It never will be. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh. Like the day that I got to my mom's house after that, and like I was suffering, man. I lived in the bathtub, like, and I was trying to find treatment centers. I was doing whatever it took, right? I think I had like, I I had a little bit of money, right? Yeah. And uh, at that point, like I promised to myself, I was never going to drink again. But I knew I needed help. I couldn't do this by myself. So we called treatment centers, right? And they're like, oh, we're full. Like, oh, we can get you into detox, but we can't actually help you, you know? Mm -hmm. And I remember like I was sitting in an oatmeal bathtub, you know, and nothing was going my way. And I found this like white castle and it was called Discover Recovery. And it was in Camas. And (laughs) I yelled for my mom, like naked in the bathtub. I was like, mom, like, (laughs) I was like, I don't care what it takes. I'll spend as much money as I you know, I'll, I'll pay for it, like, mm-hmm. out of pocket. Like, the soonest I can get there, I need this, you know? And mm-hmm. I made the call to, you know, close family, like the, um, yeah. my girlfriend and stuff, and said that, you know, I really want to go to treatment. Because I, at that point, I knew that I was, I had to get sober or else something bad was going to happen. You're going to die, bro. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, no, I was fully dead set you know, on getting sober, I just knew I had to learn the proper way how to live sober because that's very important for some people. You know, if you're truly an alcoholic that can't quit on your own, you have to learn, you know, the, you have to learn the proper way of how, how to go about it. So long story short, right. I find this white castle and my mom calls them up and the owner's like, how much money does he got or whatever, you know, like 30 grand right up the front. We can get them today, you know, Mm -hmm. type of deal. I was like, hold on, like, 
Let me try to get insurance, right? No health insurance. Just left the union. I got insurance the next day, and I got accepted into the treatment. Day after, they're like, you come with $8,500 cash, and mm-hmm. you're in. I was like, say less. Went to the bank. Um, just so happened that the in-laws were going to Long Beach because it's there's two discovery recoveries. The one, right. the penthouse in Camas is like $4,000 a night, and it's meant for like older people. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to the one in Long Beach, and uh, they just so happened that they were all going to Long Beach. So I got dropped off to the treatment <laughs> center on the way to the family gathering at the the Long Beach Center. So that and that how cool. how long were you not drinking at this point when you, before you got a into a? Uh, so week. you had you had been completely sober for a week yep. before you got even got into recovery. Yeah. So after that Friday, when all that I stayed the whole night in the hospital, my mom bring me to the national. I don't know why I went. Right. Well, and of course you do. You love motocross, bro. You're but I was like, I was not good. Like I was not in good shape. Sure. I needed to drink some water and maybe eat my first meal in five days. Yeah. But when I got there, like I couldn't resist it. And that's, that was another, like the first time I knew that I had a problem, but this Saturday was like, I found alcohol again. Mm-hmm. And like, again, I just like remember looking at somebody and I blacked out like, and I barely drank anything. And my mom like came in. She's like, you fucking drink again, didn't you? In front of everybody. And I was like, that's when I came to. And I was like, fuck. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, There's nothing more embarrassing and more like, I don't know, than just letting the people that you love down. Right. Like there's literally like I can't think of a lower moment of my life other than having my wife look at me in the eye and be like, I don't even know what to fucking say to you right now. Right. You yeah. Know? In my situation, like it was hard because at that point, you know, I felt like uh, my fiance was already over it. Right. So mm-hmm. like it was like I was already burning that bridge heavily. Right. Mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily need a lie. Not to say I didn't lie, but like. She knew I was drinking like that. Like right. she knew I was drinking and uh, she would mention, but I couldn't explain because nobody would understand the reason why I was drinking. Right. Same. So, so I wish that I could have went back and like explained myself, but I just didn't have the mental capacity to explain myself of why I was doing it. Right. Mm-hmm. And everybody's situation is different. Right. It could be like a lifestyle or, you know, your maintenance drinking or like your, there's a lot of different reasons why people drink. And uh, mine just didn't make much, it wasn't, it was like almost a fairy tale to some people. Like, oh, I got agoraphobia, I can't go outside, so I got to drink. You mm-hmm. know, that's that's kind of how I felt. That's literally how I felt, but I couldn't express that to people. Yeah. And I think that the heavy binge drinking and not eating was, it was realistically a cry for help, right? I wanted that help, and when <clears> I finally got it, it was worth. Same. So I th- that's what I was going to say was, my next question to you was the relief of, like getting that off your chest and going, I don't know, just like putting it all out there. Like, like at, at some point I felt like what happened with my situation is I hit this point of like where I wanted people to find out. Right. Like I wanted people to see that I was using it as a crutch, you know, to bury my feelings more or less. And to the point where like I was good at hiding it. And I like was still hiding it. I didn't, you know, but like, it's almost like, oh, I'm so deep in this hole now. Like, how the fuck do I just come out and be like, yo, I, I drink like this right. daily. You know, that does that make any fucking sense? Right. Um, But the relief that I got after 
I was able to like come to terms with everything was was almost like something I I was like praying for the whole right. time, you know. But that's a fucking story, bro. That is a that's that's in, intense. It's in, I I don't even know what to. I'm baffled. I'm thankful that you're here, man. Right. Because and I'm sure many people are, but like that sounds so insanely lonely and terrifying and like. Right just like i couldn't imagine like there's been a few times in my life where i've had some crazy scary moments where like you almost like you've never been more scared like i've never been more scared in my life right for something and that sounds like you dealt with that daily yeah i mean there was lots of times you know to where i would have like i don't even know how to explain the feeling but yeah just scared you know to where i would have to text somebody i couldn't be alone you know, I would text my buddy like Tristan one time. I'm in like the bathtub. Like, I swear I was seeing things. Like, I was mm-hmm. like something was going crazy. Like, I and was, then you feel stupid. Yeah. Like trying to yeah. like. He gets in there. Like he runs into the bathroom to like oh you know he didn't mm-hmm. know what to expect. He knew I have a problem. You know, at that point I don't even think he really liked me because of my problem. But you know he was there to check on me. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's I don't know, dude. It was it was a bad choice to make. So what did treatment do for you that you weren't getting uh, from yourself? Like what? So the biggest thing that I can say is that mine are all like physical symptoms, right? I have a bad problem with my body, like going numb, like to where I can't breathe, like in my chest. Right. So one of the, the first things that, you know, they made very clear is like, you know, you're going to feel these symptoms, you know, for, up to two years, but they're going to slowly taper away. That's why, like, I only made it a couple of weeks and I wanted to give up, right? Because you don't see a change in two weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, I was to the point where I needed, my body needed to heal. Yeah. You know, and th- they broke it down for me, right? And the psychiatrist, my my doctor, you know, I had a addiction counselor. I had a, a mental health counselor. Like, it was clockwork every single day. You know, you're up at seven and you're working till six on yourself, right? Right. So they teach you all these things of like, this is what's going to happen. This is how you're going to feel. This is how you, you know, give me tips and like, you know, practice mindfulness here. Like, you know, uh, different techniques of like how to, you know, retrain your brain, retrain my brain to be sober. Right. And that was the biggest problem for me is I didn't know. I only knew how to operate, you know, when I was drinking because it really didn't get me drunk. Like very rarely did I get drunk. It was just to get keep me to feel normal, you know, so I can mm-hmm. go in public. Yeah. You know, I spent many days, like anytime I would have some time off of work, like I would lay in bed and like really just want to stay there, you know, and like just make it a couple of days sober to get through the real shitty, crazy feelings I was having when I wasn't drinking, you know, but it just wasn't, you know, I even took a couple of weeks off of work before, but I just didn't have like, I didn't realize how long it can take. Like, it's not like, the the actual length isn't that long but it feels like an eternity right when you're Mm -hmm. when you're feeling like this like time is flying by now that i'm sober it was so like drawn out like everybody was like oh man this year like flew by i'm like hell no it didn't you know like (laughs) if dude i felt like i was stuck in that rut for like 19 years but really it was only like four yeah but you feel like because it was so terrible that it was like yeah such a long drawn out period yeah I, i get that uh do you how how are you now? Like, what would you like? Do you still deal with these? Yeah, anxiety issues. Yeah, so and- I I do have like um, I still have agoraphobia. 
you mm-hmm. know, like, but it's all the symptoms, like I can feel it, you know, every, let's say three weeks, I can feel a change in myself, mm-hmm. you know, and it's been consistent, you know, to where like I can operate and function normal without it. You know, I can get to work, not have, cause the hardest thing for me was always driving, right? I would have, I would, I barely could drive. Like my hands would go numb. I, my heart would race. Like I, just a bunch of stuff would happen to me. And, uh, by the time that I got out, I was still having like some, uh, withdrawal symptoms. So like I would have like, uh, you know, insomnia some nights, mm-hmm. uh, when I was in there, they put me on Seroquel so I could actually sleep. But when I got out, you know, it was an adjustment because I was loaded with medication through my detox when I got in there and through this day, right. I was on like seven different medications to help me. Mm-hmm. Well, when I got out, I didn't have those. So I had to adjust and every single day, you know, it's been like five months, well, I'm six months sober, but, um, it's been about five months since I've been out. And like I said, every three weeks I can see progress. Right. So where like today, like I'm fine, but you would have never catch me doing this, you know, anytime four months ago and on. Mm-hmm. Is that so, why you didn't come the first time? Yeah. I just wasn't ready. A lot of that was just because like I did a lot of talking in like the AA meetings. Right. And I'm not a talker. I don't like do People that know me, they're like, you, they wouldn't imagine I would ever come on a podcast because I'm known for that. I'm just quiet. Like, I don't talk. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I was tired of talking because I would, I told my story so many times. Like, when I was in treatment, you know, we had to break down from five years old on, you know, that's a, that, of where Is that like we a practice that you do. No, that's just for them to get to know me within those 30 days, like where it went wrong, right? What are my traumas? What are my triggers? You mm-hmm. know, like, and set up a real recovery plan for me. Like I still abide by my recovery plan, even though that people like can't really see it, mm-hmm. but like I take it very serious every single day. You know, I still do things differently. Like that they taught me like what? Well, meditation is huge for me and I don't do it like, um, in a way to where like, I'm literally just like, meditating. yeah, you're not sitting there with your legs crossed going yeah, like this. No, no. So <clears> I like, <throat> I finally taught, you know, the biggest thing that I was ever taught in treatment was, the mental health counselor, I was telling them some things that like other counselors have told me. Like the last time I went to the hospital, my mom was like, you know, what can we do for him? Blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, well for him to get, cause at that point I was having like real psychotic feelings and like real weird feelings. And my, I told my mom about it and we went to the doctors and he just like, was like, yeah, it's really expensive and they're months out. And my mom's like, I don't fucking care. Like, this is my kid's life you're talking about, right? Um, I fucking hate the medical system. Sorry. Yeah. So, um, well, I guess I kind of got sidetracked there. I forgot where we were going. No, you're fine. You were talking about uh, just your mom was taking you to this yeah. medical thing. There was a story behind it though, before that. Yeah, what were we talking about? You what? asked me something. What did I ask him, Carter? <laughs> This happens to me all the time too, bro. Like, you know, the worst part about podcasting is you get on this tangent and you get so like, you 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 just go off so far that you're like, what the fuck did I even just ask you? No, I asked you, um, I, one, I asked you if you still dealt with this, Mm -hmm. I asked you what, Oh, what do you do in the morning? Or what do you meditation? Yeah. (laughs) Jesus fuck. Yeah. Meditation. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So my type of meditation, I was taught, uh, like I can pretty much turn my brain off um 
Like completely? Yeah, to where I've actually learned how to not hear or like I can open my eyes and I can block things out. Uh, and that just, it wasn't like I was gifted with it, right? Because I really had to work on it. And there's really like I read the book on meditation on how to do it, right? And it takes years for this practice, like for you to perfect it. Mm-hmm. And that really helps me because I've learned how to calm my brain, right? I can, I have semi learned how to shut my brain off, right? Sure. And there is a way, even though, because I was the last, I would have told you, hell no, like meditation, that ain't going to help me, right? Yeah. And like practicing mindfulness, right? That's like, that's what has helped me today. Like, what do you mean by mindfulness? <clears throat> so that, that was like the number one question in treatment, right? That I would ask, because I still like, if I had the book here and you could read it, I don't really know how to explain it right. It, it's uh Do you mean like, are you talking about like self-talk mindfulness? So my plan that they had for me, it, everybody's different, right? Mm-hmm. So like, you don't, I don't talk to me, right? Sure. We wanted to get me out of there. Okay. So like that, pretty much that's where we're going with this is like, they taught me how to get myself out of here and mm-hmm. get into my body, right? Yeah. So I'm I can move myself into my you know into my lungs to where all I'm feeling is physical feel, mm-hmm. you know, and like, but I can be sitting there on the couch with the family, right? And we're having like family time, right? But mm-hmm. I have to do that. Like I have to spend time calming myself down. Like that's just how it is because when I come home from work, right? No matter what, I'm still like, you know, my anxiety level is pretty high but i've learned how to tame it down like to where the idol's low and reset like right you know and i've that that's really that's really helped me a lot but one of the biggest things i was taught was um and this is what i practice on for 30 days straight and they told me like 28 days that's how long it's going to take to retrain your brain pretty much like certain habits right Mm -hmm. every single day yep so he told me he's like uh and he had his hand out like this and he's like I was telling him all my thoughts, you know, cause I would write down, like I have a journal with 11 pages long of my feelings that I was feeling in treatment. And like, if they're gonna, if they're getting better, what I'm feeling every day, like what my symptoms are. Right. And, uh, I was reading them off to him and he's like, look, he's like, you need to, um, list off like your feelings. If it's like something that you can't control, if it's a, if it's something in the future or if it's something in the past, right? Mm-hmm. If it's out of your control, if it's in the future, it's in the past, right? So right. every single thought that would come into my head, I would have... You were just to, writing it down? No, I, I I would just lock it into my head. Okay. Like, oh, that's the past. I can't worry about that because that goes back to like the shame and stuff. Mm. I didn't like have time. You know, everybody around me, the people that found me down there, like I had a lot of shame, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I went to the counselor like the first day, like, dude, I... I feel like I need to leave here and like tell everybody I'm okay. Or like, I, I need to like, just let everybody know like that I'm an idiot or, you know, sure. that I felt like that. Explain yourself. Right. Yeah. And he's like, you know, you need to be, be in the present moment. Right. And only worry about being present. All these thoughts coming into your head that you're naming right now, it's either in the past, it's in the future, or it's something that you cannot control right now. So mm-hmm. there's no need for you to be dwelling on it, right? Yeah. So for 30 days, I seen his hand in my brain. So that's kind of... Uh, you saw his hand in your brain? What yeah. Do you mean? Like, so it would literally... Each thought that would come into my head, like his hand and his... Like how I'm looking at you, it would pop up in my head and it would, it would literally flick that thought out of my brain. Like that's 
I like wow. literally zoned into it so hard that I had it like screenshotted in my brain. So it'd be like, that's a, something out of my control. Like, you know, I really focused on being in the moment because a lot of my worry would come from like, oh, this job that's coming up, right? We all do it. Like that's normal. But some people have different anxiety levels and different levels how they deal with it. Like to where some of them, you know, they get fired up. Like, you know, they're like, oh yeah, let's get it. And some people like, it brings them a lot of pressure and weight and like they don't take it as good. Yeah. And I always thought that I was like strong. Like I really thought that I was strong, like physically, mentally, like all that. But I was pretty mentally weak. Like I think I was broken down so much to a point to where like I just couldn't take much anymore. And now I know my threshold of like where I can go, you know, Mm -hmm. just a couple weeks ago, I had to turn down my very first job, you know, where I got on there, it didn't work. And like, you know, I got to go my old self, I would have ran out of money on that job, right? Lost a bunch of money Mm -hmm. and time, but just little things like that. Like now I got to let it go. You know, I can't, I got to be able to give myself, you know, what's best for me. Right. So that's really what I've learned is like self-love, I guess, mindfulness and uh, meditation is really what helps me today. You know, is just practicing these practices and every day i mean it might not ever end for me i kind of have to live by that you know Mm -hmm. and take a little pressure off myself if i feel like i'm getting overwhelmed then i gotta go like i'm sorry but that's just kind of how it is for me yeah and i think what you're what you're speaking of i think is a a lot of self-acceptance and self understanding that this is the person that you are and not to feel ashamed of that right because right. for the what you're speaking of, you're in you're in that counselor's office, and you, mm-hmm. the only thing you're not fucking worried about, Justin, you're worried about other people's right. opinions. Yeah, and dude, that's that's a that's a problem for a lot of people. Right, a lot of people. I, I'll preach to you every day that I don't give a shit what people think of me, but you know there is there is, and, and I'm I'm if I'm being completely honest, there's only there's very few opinions of people that I give a shit about. Right. Most important one is mine. Right. If I'm happy with myself, I could settle for pissing somebody off or making somebody unhappy, man. Right. But it's also in that moment you're talking about, you ain't happy with yourself. Right. So you, it's hard to like back that whatever up. Right. But <clears throat> yeah, man, that's a, that's a tough moment to, to swallow a tough pill. But I bet, I bet you gained some good friends out of it and you learned who Oh yeah, for the sure. closest ones are, man. Yeah. Yeah. Were people pretty supportive of you? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like that that was it was huge. I'm pumped for you that you made it out of that, bro. I yeah, think that so that's I. a story that you should tell a lot of people. I think you should you know it's almost like a little bit of a superpower at this point because if you can overcome that shit, I got close close friends that have dealt with that. Right. You know, panic attacks. Yeah, man. And it's, and like, uh, yeah, that's why it's like, uh, I don't know. It, like, I wish that I could tell, you know, people the, there is no magic potion to it. You know, everybody's different. So, yeah. It is hard, but it definitely helps to hear like people's stories that, you know, that have gotten a little bit better. You know, you learn sometimes not everybody's fully, you know, cured, I guess you could say, but, at least you can, you know, get a lot better. Dude, I think, yeah, I understand completely. I think that alcohol is just a weird one, bro. It's a weird one in a sense that I feel like it's one of those things that's constantly, like, looked over. 
Yeah. Well, especially like in the my family, like. Same, bro. Dude, that's. People don't give a shit. It's normal to fucking yeah. drink and have beers and just. You just don't real like. You don't realize what it's doing to you, and I, I've said this before, but you don't realize what it's doing until you you don't don't do it. Right. Like you don't realize the effect that it has on your life, right. on who you are as a person, mm-hmm. until you stop for a long enough period to figure out who the fuck you are. Right. You know, like I can resonate a lot with those feelings that you have, not with your panic attacks right. or your anxiety, but I can resonate resonate a lot with the feelings of wanting to. I don't know, feel ashamed of it, bury everything. And I think the biggest thing that I've found that that has helped me, even as somebody, I didn't go to treatment or anything like mm-hmm. that. I just quit um, and was just talking about it, though. Right. No. Yeah. I mean, that's why we went to class, you know, and we told our stories day in and day out, you know. Of Did you have anybody in there that you felt like had it worse than you? So my, mine, um, it was just different, right? So it was, it was, uh, I felt like a lot of people in there were in there more, uh, they weren't really doing it for maintenance. They were more, uh, like, I don't, I don't want to say a true addict or a true alcoholic, but they were in there just for different reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but yeah, there were, you know, I seen the, the drug stuff is very heavy in there, obviously. And that, that's, uh, I seen a lot of crazy things just while I was in there for 30 days, you know, from that stuff, you know, people having very hard times. Do you ever even think about it now? Yeah. So the biggest, one of the biggest hurdles I'm having is that at least three times a week I have, uh, um, I have dreams of me drinking dreams of you drinking yeah mm. and, and you wake up going like yeah like oh and i like i literally feel hangover hung over for like five minutes and then like it all goes away once i tell myself like low you weren't drinking like you're fine mm-hmm. um but yeah the dreams fucking nightmares i'm sure yeah they are they're nightmares so it's like nightmare like i'm usually getting like chased by somebody or something's happening mm-hmm. but like all together, I'm drinking it. It's just, and it's then you're just drinking to bury the right. fear and all all of those feelings and shit. Right. Yeah. It's like a. It's just. Yeah. But during the day, I mean, no. But there's certain scenarios I get myself into, like where you know I get like more anxiety because I felt like you know I would like when I go to the motocross track now. It's almost weird being sober there, you know. Mm-hmm. But granted, now I want to go there to truly like compete and race myself you know not let's to talk party. about that dude let's talk about uh motocross because <clears throat> i've heard from multiple people that there's not many people that ride like you um i mean not necessarily speed but maybe wildness <laughs> i mean like i'm not the fastest guy but i know how to blow a bike up sure and i i'm not i wouldn't say uh proficiently uh Tanner's going to laugh at me for saying this, but uh, proficiently, I don't know what you would call it. I'm not proficient in motocross ling- lingo or lingo, language or yeah. anything like that. Like, I am I love anything with a motor in it, bro, and I'll fucking try anything. But right. two wheels, me on two wheels, mm, not good. Right. I'm, I'll fucking hurt myself. Like, I think I rode Tanner's, I don't know, it was like it's 125 one time and almost fucking killed myself <laughs> for like two minutes that I was riding it. And 
yeah, scare myself every time I, I do it. Just because I also don't, I have that like, uh, I'm not afraid. Right. Which that can bite you. Which fucks you if you don't know what the fuck you're doing. Right. You got to like take your time a little bit. Um, but that's a huge part of your life. So I want to talk, what's your, what's your goal with that, man? I mean, your, um, your brother-in-law yep. is just went also local Washougal, you know, mm-hmm. writer, yep. uh, Levi mm-hmm. is doing really well. Mm-hmm. And that's gotta that's gotta be cool because that I mean having that connection with somebody in in the pro series also probably gives you that oh it's possible like I could do it right you know yeah is that something that you would pursue not now you know I'm not I don't I'm just doing it for you know the fun of it the joy of it Mm -hmm. you know like I like I like to uh, um I like to compete but it's like doesn't really trip my trigger like it used to. Sure. It's more so just the joy of it. You know, it, just it, a joy it, it's a good outlet for me. Right. Yeah. Cause like, I think that that had a big part <clears throat> of what, you know, how my life unfolded was like, you know, going from BMX motocross, like always having that adrenaline to kind of the workforce. It's a little bit different. You mm-hmm. know, you kind of like the adrenaline rush wasn't there. So it's all, it's like a drug, you know, it's like a drug for me. I just go back to, um, you know, I love it. And I, but I don't have no goals, I guess you could say. Like, I do want to, like, do good, and I want to, like, be the best that I can be, but I don't have no expectations, no goals. Like, I, I'm just going to do it, you know, just going to go. Just race. for fun. Yeah, just for fun. Did you compete recently? Yeah, I competed a few yeah. weeks. How'd you do? I mean, I led some laps and <laughs> fell in both races, but. You fell? Yeah. Uh, what do you mean, like like bad, just like crashed. you're no. washed out or what? Yeah, I just washed the front end. Both, I think uh, my front brake lever fell off in the second one when I was leading. Oh, that's fucked. Is that disappointing? Yeah, but like I said, I don't. I mean, it doesn't. It's like forty dollars to win or something crazy, so it's not really cool. It's so cool though, dude. I'm I'm super competitive. I have a really hard time. No, so, like, so am I. But that's one of those things that I really had to get over. You know, yeah. that's one of my bad habits. Is it doesn't not just moto either. You know, it's, it's that constant, like need to one up yourself and yeah, yeah. well, yeah, mine is really, I had a hard time with other people, like even from business, right? If I seen your business exploding, like Uh you're like competition, even though you'd be doing coffee, but like, I want (laughs) to be better than you. Right. But like I, that, that shit would tear me up in the head. You know, I would be always like, not comparing myself, but I would always like want to be like the guy like that is doing more. Right. Sure. I had to learn how to like, you know, be the best that I can be. And it doesn't really matter who, you know, if they beat me, they beat me in I, any aspect. I, I understand that. I, I went through that phase for sure. With not, with, with not, I wouldn't say I went through the phase with like other people in other industries, but yeah, definitely people I, in my, <laughs> I don't do that, but I'm saying that that's how crazy it could get for me. Like I, I get you. Just, I get you. That competitive. I, uh, I, I, I heard a, you know, the best advice that, that I've ever heard is just like, you, you can't, you you know, competing with yourself is the only real competition. If you're looking at your partner or you're look, sorry, if you're looking at your competition, you're not focusing on yourself. Right. And so I, I personally don't as, as I can, I can comfortably say that devs as a company, uh, you know, has excelled in many ways and that I didn't think it was possible, but I will say that I, I think that a lot of that played into the role of my competition, in my opinion, with Starbucks and Dutch Bros. Not so. That's your goal. The, to, yeah. To be to Just that to, pedigree of exactly. Yeah. So I didn't have to look at myself like I was a 
or I wasn't looking at the coffee shop across the street, you know, that is right. a small box like yeah. us. Like I was looking at, okay, what's the bigger picture yeah. here? Yeah. And I think a lot of people make this mistake of thinking that, you know, oh, this is all, this is all that I have. And when you, when you open your mind to the possibility of doing bigger things and thinking of your competition, in my opinion, as not the guy who's at the same level as you, but somebody that you want to be right or somewhere that you'll want to be, you'll, you'll excel to that, you know, or right. you will, you will go to that, that level of competition versus doing the small talk shit you right. know, or worrying about the fucking guy who ran a special down the street. Like I used to worry about human being all the time, you know, who human being is, yeah. they have like, they're, they're a, franchise but in my eyes like initially when we first started like all i gave a fuck about was like sort of better than these guys they're like our competition and blah blah and like i don't know after i stopped giving a fuck about people around right. me i i saw you know things change and i was right. able to excel but is that like is it like that in the concrete industry because i feel like you kind of have to like no. compete against mm, i do but uh i'm pretty lucky because i have like I mean, a lot of the guys that work with me are paid subs. They own their own concrete companies too. Okay. So it's not no. My group. How does that? How the fuck does that work? We pay each other as subcontractors. Oh, smart. Yeah. That's so, super smart. Yeah. So we don't have employees. We just everybody has a business license, and we all work together, schedule pours around each other, right? Nice. So like in the summer, you know, we'd go set up with this guy or pourer. Uh huh. You know, he'd help, then vice versa. We all make money. Right. Right. So you kind of feed off each other. Yeah. You ever have anybody that fucking you you don't work with anymore? Nope. I feel like that would like create this like uh, weird. You gotta have a good group of guys behind yeah. you. I would assume, which we, but. which we do because everybody gets their you know that everybody's making money. It's not yeah. like the tensions aren't high. Because, you know, I could just see that turning into the whole like this guy has this account and somebody coming in and snaking that account, right? And then one person getting pissed off. So take some respectful dudes not to do that but yeah and to be honest i've been on the lower pedigree than them right so sure. i'm doing the smaller stuff and mm -hmm. they they do have accounts like if i not to say i could but that yeah i know what you mean cuz i could be a pile of crap and go you know try to get these pool decks mm -hmm. that justin's doing but justin <laughs> ogden he's the one that owns the company sure but yeah yeah i'm not I would never do that to him, you know, and I don't think he would do that to me. So I don't think we have to worry about that. Good. Good. Yeah. It's a uh, money can money can change people. And I, I don't know. I've just, I have a hard time trusting much of anybody in the business industry now, just because it's like we could pretend and, you know, act like all would be fine all the time. But when you have negative some odd money in your bank account and you do anything, you know, that's when I feel like friendships and relationships get lost oh, is yeah. when people are stressing about paying their bills and taking care of their family. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm a pretty careless dude with money. Like, um, it comes and it goes, you yeah. know, that's kind of how I live. And right now is like the first time I'm like, currently I'm the most broke that I've ever been like by far. But you're okay with it? Yeah, I'm content. Like, yeah. it is it is what it is. Like, I mean, I knew that I had to go do what I had to do last summer. So, mm -hmm. like, and that's, it's catching up with me, just like I knew I, it would. Sure. But, you know, money-wise, I'm not really, uh, I'm definitely not money-hungry. You know, I do this more because I'm competitive. Like, 
you know, I want to do good. Not necessarily, I do it to make a living, Mm -hmm. but I get a lot more joy in helping people and like accomplishing goals. When I set goals out to the company, like they're, there never really has been a time to where I failed myself Mm -hmm. with a goal, you know, and not, that's not like I'm acting arrogant, but I, no, I I think goals are important, bro. Yeah. Everybody needs goals. Yeah. You don't got goals. You don't have dreams. Right. You don't have anything. But like on the, this next one, you know, I want to make, I almost want to get uncomfortable with my goals to see what I can do, you know, Mm -hmm. because I make my goals so realistic. And so, you know, I feel like that's what I kind of, you want to push yourself. Yeah, I, I, I need a little push now because I was never in the mental capacity to really try to excel, right? But mm-hmm. now, like, starting spring and summer is going to be, like, you know, it's really time for me to get it going. You're, like, challenging yourself? Yeah. I think that's what it is. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, dude, I, I agree, man. Uh, business is crazy. Business is tough. Entrepreneurship is wild. I think that it's really cool, honestly, to say your age, that you've done as much as you have and you've been through as much as you have. I think that you're going to be able to, you know, provide a lot of perspective and value to a lot of people in the future. Um, And like, I commend you for having the courage to talk about that shit, man, because it's, uh, there's a lot of people that would think shitty stuff and say shitty stuff, right? you know, and just, just doing what you do, bro. And having the courage to do that is 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 something that you should be super proud of, man. For sure. That's dope. What's next on your adventure here? Um so I can't really say exactly what it is, but um I mean I for sure I like I did this one right though. Mm. I've never once like made a business plan, like a real business plan, right? And executed it. Mm-hmm. I've usually just like something pops in my head you on and then sometimes like I'll commit to it. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, I only take like a couple ideas that come up, you know, like it's not like I've done like every single idea I would want to do sure. that, that would burn me out. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one, like I feel like I have the resources and like the, to where I can truly make this one work. Like this is the one, like I feel it right. I made a business plan and I want to try to see what that, I'd, I'm just curious to see how it'll end up. If I put my money in the right places, right? And mm-hmm. Like market the company, right? And do everything right. Kind of like what, you know, like what you're doing. Like you do a lot of right strategies in business, right? I learn from people like you, right? Like what they're doing right. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, like for a coffee company to market like you do, right? You could realistically you could have shit coffee and you could probably sell it because of how you market and how you build the brand. Right. Sure. That's not to say your coffee shit, by the way, the news tracks is probably, it's, <laughs> you can even ask for an aid. It's the only thing that I drink, not to say that's coffee. Cause I don't even know what the hell's in it, but <laughs> it's that's, cocaine, bro. It's cocaine. That's the only thing that I, that's uh, funny, man. What do you, so what do you mean? Explain what you mean by that. Um, and I don't, I don't mean that to stroke my ego by any sense. I'm just curious. What do you mean by brand? Do you mean just like the the visual aspect yeah, of things? The, the, yes, the visual. Like uh, being, um, so I could list a few things. Would be that you put yourself in front of the camera, right? Mm-hmm. So you're always engaged with people there. So and people like that, right? Yeah. When you the owner's engaging with the public, right? That's what they. And not many people like you won't see me recording myself, right? Because uh, that's what I'm working on now. You know, it, like, this is what I'm saying, like learning from stuff like that. Like, I'm not comfortable with it, but sure. you have yeah, to yeah, learn. Yeah. I'm not comfortable with 
talking on a podcast, but here I am, you know, like I just, I want to, you know, get all everything that I've learned and like throw it together, right? Through the three, because realistically I've only, I'm only 24, right? I haven't Mm -hmm. learned it. You know, I haven't even scratched the surface of business, but I feel like I've learned a lot and every time I've lacked in each department, right? But I feel like if I get from the finance to the marketing to the product right, you know, if I nail all three of these and execute it right, Mm -hmm. that I can have a real functioning business. That's not to say that my canopy company and my concrete company are not functioning. No, you just, I think you're just saying you've learned from the past experiences and where maybe you could have done better. And I guess that, uh, you know, I I would love to see everybody. And I got, I got people in my corner on, you know, each comp or, you know, every company, right? Yeah. Some, a right hand man per se that, you know, if he can run this company, right? Mm-hmm. This guy can run that. Then I can focus on the next project. You know, that's sure. kind of how I've operated is kind of get people involved, right? Kind of let it run its course, mm-hmm. you know, unless, and then, but this one I want to put like, you know, you want to do it. All, yeah. I want to do it, you know, instead of just being so like, that, that's you something know, you're going to work on with the branding aspect of things is, showing face and just being more involved with behind the brand. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And like, uh, you know, just, uh, really, it's hard to explain for me because I, I'm still learning it obviously is like, there's a way that you can market a company to be like, have its own vibe. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, so there's, I don't even know how to explain your guys's vibe, but it's like, it's just like poppy, right? Like, so you guys are always in good moods. Like, you know, everybody's attracted yeah, that. to that. Like you go there and it's like, it's not like Starbucks when they have fucking whatever it's called on like the, yeah, but it's also not Dutch bros. Right. Where you're yeah, in exactly. Your face. Yeah. Where it's like, you're totally faking it. Like mm-hmm. you don't, you're not having that good of a day, but you know what, bro, there's something to, uh, the one thing that I've learned the most with branding, with, with building business is, People love, and that is what I'm building this podcast on. It's, it's, it's so simple. It's just authenticity right. and vulnerability. Yeah. When you're a business and you want to create a brand and you like, like people have been lied to for so fucking long, bro. Lied to about building a brand. And when you see this brand per se, you think, oh man, these guys got it made. They're in Safeway. They're in Fred Meyer. They're in Costco. Like, damn, they got to figure the fuck out. What you don't see is all of the bullshit that those people went through right. to build that company. Yeah. And so I've tried to just be as open and honest and as fucking real as possible with building devs, with building this podcast. Um, because I think people have been fed shit for so fucking long that they're like, by shit, I mean like that it's perfect. And right. it's so just blah, blah, blah. And it's sunshine and fucking rainbows all the time. Like people don't want that anymore. Right. That's that. Okay. That is my. So that would make sense why you 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 kind of post the the problems that you have. Hell with yeah. The equipment and stuff. Like Fuck that. Yeah. yeah. One like, <laughs> that's my life, bro. Right. Like, but that's why that's you know why a guy like me like I like to see that because like I can relate. You know. Like, Everybody all, can relate. Right. Nobody wants to fucking talk about how much money you made yesterday. Right. Nobody wants to talk about that. Nobody right. wants to talk about fucking how you you know saved. Betty from, you know, I don't fucking know how you helped this person even like, like, I think people get, it's, it's just like conflict, right? What do you, what's most popular on social media? 
conflict and, you know, fucking fear and terrible shit, right? Right. So I feel like if I can do the negative shit and the shit that everyone hates, but make it fun, make it funny, make it positive, put a little spin on it, right? show people what, you know, hey, this really sucked that there was a literally a fucking rainforest and waterfall in my campus location three days ago. And I still haven't, I don't even know what the fuck I'm going to do about that, but I'm going to put it out there that this is my life and right. these are the problems that I face and that I deal right. with. So I think that that is, that's my goal. And it's really easy also because, uh, it is, there's, there's no facade, right? Like I'm not faking it. I don't need to act. Right. I don't need to pretend like when shit happens, I just go, there you go. Right. This is what I got going on today. This is the problem I'm having. Here's how I solved it. And here's how I solved it with a positive attitude. And if I didn't solve it, you fucking know that I didn't solve it. And (laughs) I don't know. That's that. (laughs) I actually, I made a video this morning, bro, because my company has been, devs has been, uh, uh, if you don't know, uh, for the audience listening to this, my wife and I bought a pizza place um, a year and a half ago, and I lost nearly half a million dollars uh, of my money, like or loans, basically that I had taken out. Um, we bought this pizza place. We bought this neighboring business, right? That had, was going to close. We tried to save it. We tried to revamp it. Uh, made a bunch of mistakes in the get-go or in, in that process and literally lost everything. Like washed, walked away with like 30 grand in, in I don't even know what you would call it, like a equipment, basically. Right. Um, didn't have a brand to sell, didn't have anything, just lost everything. And I have spent the last year and a half basically paycheck to paycheck with my business because I'm making payments on the loss of the pizza place. Right. And instead of filing for bankruptcy, which is probably what I should have done from the get go, I probably wouldn't be in this hole. And, um, still considering it, still don't know if even that's a possibility, right. but like doing all of these things, I chose to take the hard route, which is like, I'm just going to find more work. Right. I'm going to do more shit. I'm going to, you know, like expand my business and my avenues in this way. Um, some people just don't understand. Like I can, I can feel how, you're feeling not necessarily what the, the the price that you're talking to me about. No, you know what I'm talking about yeah. though. You have like no, I, no other I, options yeah. to where you sit there and like, you're just trying to like, you know, the options are running out and you don't know what to do. Yep. You know, that happens to me a lot. Like I, it's all the time it's happening right now. Like, yeah, you know, I spent 95% of my day wondering what, how I'm going to keep a guy busy or myself, how I'm going to pay my bills. Like, it's that's just part of it. If it's easy, everybody would do it. You know, that's yep. just kind of how it is. No, for sure, for sure. I think uh, I just battle with it often. I battle right. with it like, okay, well, how easy? Well, is Well, like, your what? situation is it's tough. You know, I I can't fathom, you know, paying off debts that for something that realistically, you know, it failed on you, and it was like, you know, that's a big investment to make to try to build something, and then you didn't. It's not like you even. Uh, you didn't get to like run it and really give it a shot. It kind of just like went in and went out, you know, very quick. Like, and it's like, you pretty much just borrowed money and you're paying it back for no reason. Yeah, pretty much dude. Yeah. It's a, it's a weird fucking thing. That, that, that shit still is my biggest, uh, I don't know what you call that demon. 
It's my biggest demon. I still deal with it daily of wondering like the what if. It's hard not to say that. Like, what if I didn't do that? Where would I be? Well, dude, uh, thank you for being here for Mm -hmm. one. Thank you for taking the time out of your day again. Like I said, uh, thanks for being vulnerable. Thanks for having the courage to talk. And uh, I think that you're going to find that more people are going to really resonate with the shit that you just talked about. Right. Um, and that you shared more and you're going to, you, like I said, I think you're going to help a lot of people, which is dope. Um, where can people find your services? You do a lot of stuff, man. So I'll, I'll make sure I put everything, all the links to his companies in the description, all fucking 35 of them. No, but. I only got <laughs> so where, where do we find you, man? Um, all the socials are JH custom construction and then, um, legacy custom canopies. So that's pretty much website, all the socials. So, okay. And I think, uh, people should definitely tune in because you got some good stuff cooking up too. And yeah, um, for sure. that's not going to be the end of the, I think the business adventures for you. So I'm excited to see what you do, man. You got a bright future ahead of you and, uh, yeah, go, go follow Justin and call him if you need any concrete work this winter or any time in the near future, for sure. Thanks for being here, bro. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, All right, dudes. We'll see you guys next week. Later.